in a crude laboratory in the basement of his home. And welcome to the CEO Raider podcast. It's your host, John Mayetta. If you like this podcast, leave us a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. Check out CEORaider.com. It's the only place on the internet where customers, investors, and employees may anonymously rate their CEO or company. In addition, check out techtoday.com, T-E-K, today, for the latest in technology and related news, capital markets, fintech, corp governance. We're doing a study at the moment analyzing mid-cap software CEOs as a follow-up to our personality analytics article over the weekend. Uh, we're, we're doing a follow-up piece of research where we're looking at Somewhere between 60 and 70 mid-cap software CEOs to identify which of those CEOs is best equipped to adapt based on their personality traits. We're applying the big five personality model. The trait of openness is the one that is the best descriptor of somebody's ability to adapt, whether they have the temperament to handle change, they're intellectually curious, they're always looking for a better way, they're open to new ideas. They're open to the input from others. They're uh, highly creative. And these are the CEOs that, that exhibit those traits that are best equipped to adapt to change. And that's obviously important when you're thinking about the technology space, which depending on which subsector within technology, you know, the ability to adapt is probably more important than in others. Those obviously that, have, uh, that are the most fluid, the most dynamic, require the ability to adapt more so than others. So Jamie Diamond, CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, is one of those that's able to adapt as his, his industry has been getting disrupted, I'd say for the past decade or so at the margin by fintech companies. And I'll link to an article that was published in Institutional Investor recently. And I think JP Morgan put this out there maybe a, a year or so ago, where they talked about investing a very substantial amount of money into fintech products of their own, into third-party products and services in an effort to modernize JP Morgan's DNA in terms of how they go to market, in terms of their technology infrastructure. But at the end of the day, in terms of the customer experience, and the article cited the example of how uh, you know, today you could open a, uh, an account with uh, in three minutes over a, a, a mobile app of J.P. Morgan's as opposed to the old days when you had to walk into a branch. So they're trying to be more competitive with all the ancillary solutions that are being rolled out uh, by third parties. And you see a lot of this also in, in insurance, um, not so much in the guts of the operation on underwriting or the claim side. Although there's a little bit going on in the claim side around workflow and things like this, a little bit in terms of data. Uh, but on, on the front end, so customer onboarding, uh, price comparison, things like this, you, you see upstarts that are removing barriers, removing friction, uh, expediting the customer experience. And it'd be great if you, if you saw one of the big guys really adopt this uh, front to back and really streamline the operation. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think that disruption is going to be forced upon uh, the insurance companies and, frankly, most of the banks. Most CEOs and boards, uh, or it's human nature to be averse to change. Uh, change is often painful. Change is often expensive in the near term. And most boards and CEOs don't have the stomach for going before Wall Street and saying, hey, uh, we need to change in order to maximize our potential, in order to maximize your shareholder potential. And it's going to cost it hit in the near term. It's going to hit earnings in a material way. And it's unclear as to what the adoption rate on the, the, the new services that we plan to roll out will be. So therefore, we don't have great long-term visibility. And by long-term, when, when, a, when a CEO typically says, says that, they mean anything beyond a year or two. Not the way I think about long-term. So I just many, many CEOs don't have the stomach for that. Many boards don't have the stomach for that. So I think changes as a result will be forced upon many of the incumbents. 
So I'll link to that article uh, in show notes. And then Amazon recognition, this was something that was talked about. I'll, I'll link to this in show notes as well. Uh, there'll be a couple things. I'll link to an article published by by The Verge, and then I'll link to a YouTube video. Uh, it, 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 Amazon recognition, uh, spelled R-E-K-nition, is a, a facial recognition platform that analyzes uh, facial recognition data from uh, live video streams. So think about CCTV if you're walking through the streets of London, as an example. Uh, and it could analyze faces in a live video stream against mugshots, as an example. So they're selling it to uh, government entities here in the U.S., and people are up in arms about it. But if you want to fight crime, terrorism, things like this, can't say this is a shock. Right? It was only a matter of time before uh, some of the, the uh, pre-existing technologies, such as CCTV, uh, it was only a matter of time before those technologies had more advanced technologies layered on top, such as facial recognition at scale. Right? It exists in airports, but to really do it in real time at scale, uh, that's something governments aren't typically well-equipped to do. But the large tech guys can do it. I would think Google would be outstanding at it, would be the best at it, if they're not already playing with it in a sandbox somewhere. Uh, Amazon has rolled it out, but much of the world is already doing this to some degree. Uh, The UK, Israel, other countries in the the EU, and so not a shock. Uh, If you're an investor in Palantir, who plays in the uh, government ops space, uh, financial services space with uh, similar technologies, you have to think in in the near term, it, it hurts Palantir's valuation, even though it's a privately tra- uh, private, privately held company. Um, if if, if Palantir, could, Palantir could somehow get their hooks into what's, what's going on with Amazon as Amazon scales this effort and, and perhaps becomes a, a, a partner, maybe there's some services revenue uh, that they'll be able to leverage in the future. But in the near term, you got to think it's uh, all those private investors who are invested in Palantir, which I don't know that that company ever goes public, even though the, 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 the press as of late is, has been that it will go public. Uh, these These... Uh, services companies, particularly that have a, 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 a government arm, and I know Palantir is scaling it back a bit, uh, but these services companies typically have very uh, lumpy revenue streams, and therefore it's difficult to take them public. And Amazon's effort here with recognition certainly isn't going to help Palantir go public. It certainly won't accelerate the time frame, and it certainly won't increase the valuation. So it appears that whether we like it or not, through proliferation of facial recognition technology, social media, we're all going to get our 15 minutes of fame one way or the other. See you all next time.